the best, 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 best of Cresta in the Afternoon countdown. Number 33. And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Joining me right now, Peter Herbeck, who longtime friend and uh, colleague. And, you know, it's always, it's always a problem when friends uh, join me here because it feels unnecessary to give an introduction. But I'm going to give an introduction because your experience, people need to know what you've been doing for a few decades, all right? And they may not know that. Peter Herbeck is the Executive Vice President and Director of Missions for Renewal Ministries, and for more than 30 years, he's been actively involved in evangelization and Catholic renewal throughout the United States, Canada, Africa, and Eastern Europe. Peter's co-host for the weekly television program, The Choices We Face, and Crossing the Goal. He also hosts the daily radio show, Fire on the Earth. He and his wife, Debbie, have just co-written Lessons from the School of Love, Cultivating a Christ-Centered Marriage, and he's just uh, authored a booklet called Receiving Fire, uh, which was actually the occasion for our conversation today. You can follow his work at RenewalMinistries.net. Peter, it's good to see you here. Good to see you, too, Al. Great to be back. Thanks. Let's let's, uh, talk about this. Uh, So often, it seems to me that Catholics are interested in calling people to church before they've really wrestled with the idea of calling people to Christ. And, of course, we know uh, that there's a mystical union between Christ and his church. I'm not calling into question anything uh, that is taught by the magisterium of the Catholic Church. I'm talking about something that happens sociologically, though. Uh, because the church is massive, because it is highly developed, because it has its sacraments and its hierarchy and its vestments and its properties, uh, there's a certain self-satisfaction uh, that comes about from being part of such a universal, internationalist, transgenerational, ancient, but always present institution. When you come and begin reading the scriptures— and you read that the Holy Spirit is like a wind that goes where he will, you hear about the Lord as fire, fire of purification, fire of glory, fire of judgment, all of a sudden you realize the message of the gospel is not, doesn't really do that well if you think it's only an institutional message. You're encou- when you're talking about the gospel, you're talking about the encounter with a living person, not simply membership in an institution. Talk to me about receiving fire. Yeah, uh, well, this um, kind of originated, uh, I was giving some talks on the first chapter of the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you have there at the beginning of the letter is John, who is uh, uh, is the centerpiece there. He's on the island of Patmos, and he is, on the Lord's Day, he ends. He has a, basically a vision of the Lord, I guess you'd say here. And uh, the Lord appeared to him, and I found it very interesting, uh, and it really, the reason I've been talking about it is because, who here's John, uh, he's under persecution of trial, he's in prison, I think, is he not on the island? He's got, he's a shepherd of seven churches that Jesus... Jesus wants him to write a letter 
to the seven churches on his behalf. Jesus is the Lord. He's the one who his church is in his hands. He'll show and he's trying to he's encouraging John. And it's interesting what the Lord's strategy is to bring encouragement to a shepherd who is under tremendous trial, yeah. rejection, persecution. He actually begins the letter then. He writes, and you and I have spoken about this before, to the seven churches he begins, he says, I, John, share with you yeah. the tribulation, the kingdom, right, yeah. and the patient endurance. And yeah. so John's describing what is really in history the normal Christian life. That's right. It really is yeah. in a certain Tribulation, uh, yeah. the kingdom. Patient and, endurance. And what is the what is the good shepherd? Uh, what what does he know John most needs in this time of struggle, difficulty, difficult circumstances? The Lord gives him a revelation yes. of who he is, his glory, his majesty, his victory, the risen Christ in glory. And what ends up happening is just a beautiful description of it there in the first chapter. And it says uh, John sees him, and one of the things he sees is the Lord, his eyes are flaming fire. And that fire, you know, the scripture says the the eye is the window to the soul, right to the core of the being. And to me, as I was meditating on that passage, it's like you're seeing the heart of Jesus. What's what's in the heart of the glorified humanity of Jesus Christ? One of us, right? Yeah. Remember, Remember how it goes all the way back to the Old Testament, the prophecies of Ezekiel and Jeremiah, that the Messiah was coming and he was going to give us a new heart. Right? Right, right, that we had a heart of stone. What we needed was a new heart, and God's wisdom and His magnificent plan. God becomes one of us in Jesus. He takes on human flesh. That the rest of us are fallen. Right, our hearts are hardened. We're under sin. We're under the reign of sin and death, and we we have a condition we can do nothing about on our own. God sends His Son for God so loved the world to you know to bring us into eternal life. And how He does it is Jesus becomes one of us. And he dies on a cross giving perfect love to the Father, making an offering of himself. You know, I love Philippians 2. I talk about this all the time. Friends of mine are getting tired of me talking about it. But he said at Philippians 2, he humbled himself, becoming obedient, even unto death, death on a cross, right? And so the love language of heaven is what? Obedience, Jesus said. Yeah. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. You see this in Gethsemane. This was not easy. Right. This exactly. was not cheap. This yeah. was something that even as close to the crucifixion as uh, he was, in Gethsemane, he's still praying, take this cup, yeah. if possible. And on that cross is a pure heart of love that's being offered yeah. saying yes to the Father. And then it says, and Father, the Father was so delighted in him, he raised him up, and he's exalted him. So in Jesus' resurrected humanity, he enters into the glory of heaven. And as he enters into the glory of heaven, humanity is now clothed in glory, yeah. and the glory of God, the eternal, what we're seeing through the eyes of Jesus, is the furnace of burning love from all eternity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is now burning in a human heart. And John falls at his feet as though dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the impact he has. Yeah. You know? He doesn't yeah. say, how long is this service going to last? You know? <laughs> right, right, exactly. And he's laying there having encountered the glory and the beauty and the majesty and the holiness of Jesus. 
And then Jesus says what? The Lord says what? You know, be not afraid, right? He said, he touches John and he said, be not afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. And then he gives him a revelation. He goes on in the revelation. He says, John said he saw seven golden lampstands, which are the seven churches. Yeah. And this glorious one was standing right in the middle of the seven churches. So, brothers and sisters, if you're scratching your head these days and you're wondering a little bit like, where's the Lord? Look at society. Look at culture. Look at the troubles of the church and you're discouraging. Yep. Take up this passage and behold the Lord. He, Where is he? He's standing right in the midst of the churches. And then the seven... Um, flames in the hands of Jesus represent that what the shepherds, this, you know, the seven the shepherds of the pastors of the mm-hmm. churches, and he, Jesus is showing John where he wants the shepherds to know you're in my hands. I'm the living one. Mm-hmm. I hold the keys of death in Hades. I'm absolutely in charge. I'm the pure one. I'm the great one, the holy one, and I'm with you. And that's where it starts. That's where it needs to start for us. And that is and and to behold the. The holy God, the mighty God, the glorious one, Jesus. And we see in Jesus, in glory, our future, but we also see where he wants to lead us, which is into the, into the depths of the pure love of the Father yeah. and the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is, it is worth mentioning, it's mentioned many times by many people, but this encounter with the living God Evokes initially fear, yeah. Something, something you, you feel as though you're no longer in control yeah. of the moment. Uh, yeah. You're not entirely certain what's to come. There's some apprehension here. Um, you know, uh, you know. C.S. Lewis gets at this when he talks about Aslan the lion that he's um, not safe. Yeah, he's not a tame lion, right? He's not a tame right? lion. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the, the encounter with the holy God. Um, and what is interesting, too, from, again, from the standpoint of just history uh, of religions, is this encounter with holiness pops up all over the place. Uh, within the Christian tradition, it's given a special clarity because of divine revelation. But you do find that even outside uh, the Christian tradition, that there's an encounter with the holy God or the holy thing or the holy something which produces fear. Yep. You know, of course, within the, the Judeo-Christian tradition, we uh, not simply we just don't have a raw religious experience. We receive uh, revelation, which helps us interpret that experience. Yeah, yeah. And, and you notice passages both in the Old Testament, like when Elijah when he called down fire, yeah. uh, right, and, and the, against the prophets of Baal, you know, and he calls down yeah. fire, and the fire of God comes and consumes the sacrifice. And what's the response of everybody who was there? Yeah. They fell to the ground. They fell on their faces in the presence of the holy God. That's a moment of sanity. It is. That's that's a moment, and the trembling that happens is really healthy. Yeah. It's a really we're, this is the holy one who is drawing near to us. The prophets you know? of Baal have the opportunity at that point yeah. to recognize that their quote religion is not about slashing themselves in trying to do things, trying trying harder. Yeah, they have the opportunity to realize that there is a living God. 
They don't make it up themselves as they go along. They aren't making up the ritual. They aren't trying these, uh, you know, again, trying to slash themselves in order to bring down fire. There is a God that will bring down fire. It was their opportunity there to repent of their own man-made religion and turn to the religion of ancient Israel. Yeah, and I think the the fire on the holy mountain on Mount Sinai. Yeah. You remember the the one yeah, that caused everyone to tremble, it, and and the Lord, true. and and what does Moses say at different times? The Lord has done this what because He wants you to experience the holy fear of God. Yes. And I think sometimes it's so hard in the modern world to say we can't put God and fear in the same sentence. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. I mean because God is love, and there's that passage that says you know perfect love casts out all fear. But that's sure. sur- that's servile fear, right? Is it not? Is it? Yeah. It's that I, oh God, you're scared of God, and you know he's mad at me or something like that. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, it's not the. It's not. It's not minimizing the the trauma of the holy. Yeah. I mean, when you encounter the Holy One, there is this sense of disruption that you're yeah. – uh, I, I think of Isaiah uh, saying, uh, woe unto me for I am undone or I'm unraveling or I'm not integrated anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm disintegrating. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what the, the experience of the holiness of God does to us. It, it begins to rework who we are. We'll come back and talk more about the fire of God. Peter Herbeck, my guest, Receiving Fire, a wonderful uh, little booklet, but which we'll have available for you, too. Receiving Fire, again, my guest, Peter Herbeck of Renewal Ministries. The best. 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 Of Crest in the Afternoon Countdown. Number 33. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Peter Herbeck of Renewal Ministries, Receiving Fire, the name of a booklet that he just published that I uh, was looking at earlier today and thought this would be great uh, to talk about. Uh, people can get this easily, right? Yeah, get it at renewalministries.net slash rf. So renewalministries.net slash rf, or just go to Renewal Ministries, go to the store, click on the store, and you'll see booklets, and you can just find it there as well. The, the booklet starts out, uh, with uh, Jesus' statement, I came to cast fire upon the earth, and would it were already kindled. And then goes to the experience of the Apostle John uh, at the beginning of the book of Revelation, where he sees Christ, and he's so overwhelmed that he fell at his feet as though dead. And then it moves on to talk about his eyes as flames of fire. And you spend time talking about what Jesus actually sees when he looks on us, when his gaze comes upon us. And yeah. this is, on one hand, this can be discomforting. On the other hand, once you realize it's the Christ himself, you can learn to also cast that kind of gaze upon your own inner life. Yeah. You know? And what the Lord, you know, Scripture is telling us, what the church teaches us, that Jesus has come to cast the fire of the Holy Spirit. He yeah. has come to make it possible for human beings to become temples of the living God, a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So Paul always asks us, it's always a good thing to remember, test your faith. Don't yeah. you know That's right. that you're a temple yeah. of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And this is what this is what it meant. So Jesus went through everything. And uh, Pope Benedict described, said, you know, the Pentecost, Jesus is giving of the Holy Fire and the Holy Spirit and the tongues of fire, the burning love of God, the life of the Spirit. He said, this is the consummation of Jesus' mission. The, yeah. Jesus came not only to die to save, for, save us from our sins, but he did that so 
he could one day return to the Father in human flesh and and now the new Adam who's who's siring a new humanity at the right hand of the Father, the new creation has begun in Jesus in glory. Humanity's actually glorified, yeah. right? Yeah. We who've fallen from glory raised to glory, then he pours out the Holy Spirit, which is the glory of God, begins to come to us. In our baptism, we're given that living presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a purifying fire. It's a and so when Jesus sees us with his eyes flaming fire is I think it's helpful for us to understand that nothing escapes his gaze. Isn't that he sees right to the core of our being. Nothing is hidden. Like we hide a lot from ourselves and from other people about ourselves. Right. But nothing escapes the pure, fiery gaze of God. And that should cause us to walk again now in healthy fear of the Lord. That's a really good thing. Nothing lies hidden to the one whose gaze is upon us. He knows That's a good us. thing. He yeah. knows us better than we know ourselves. Yeah. And his gaze is meant to help us get a better understanding of what's going on inside of me here. What do I yeah. need to work on? What? How do I react? Uh, so that's why I say that the, the gaze uh, of Christ on us is, well, it, there may be some little bit of apprehension, yeah. you know. Um, the truth is, it's meant to bring you deeper into understanding who you are, and also deeper into understanding how Christ is conforming you to His own image and likeness. Yeah, it's, it's, this uh, is a dynamic experiential. Oh, it thing. is. It is. And his 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 flaming eyes of fire. It's not anger. Right, it's right, the pure, right. holy, that's good. That's good. holy love of God. Yeah, yeah, and nothing lies hidden again from His gaze. And so He sees our failures, but He looks on us with tender mercy in that fire. And He's saying, "Come to Me. I want to heal you. I want to free you from the bondages that you're in. I want to free you from the self hatred that's dominating your life. I want to free you from the compromise that you're in, the addictions that you're trapped in, the false loves, the the idols you're pursuing." I see it all for what it is, yeah. and I want to help you. You know what I mean? I and I want you to receive the fire of my love that's going to purify that. So that yeah. I think one of the one of the key points I'm trying to make in this little booklet, Al, is that you know God's love, this the the fire of God's burning love, is grace and transformation and healing and life for all who receive it. But for those who refuse it, it actually is becomes a purifying judgment that comes on human beings because God wants to remove everything that hinders love, that hinders human beings from walking in and receiving the love of God. You quote Pope Benedict here. Yeah. And it's it's a magnificent quote. It really puts this in perspective. Christ's entire mission, Pope Benedict XVI wrote, Christ's entire mission is summed up in this, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to free us from the slavery of death, and to open heaven to us. That is, access to the true and full life that will be a plunging ever anew into the vastness of being in which we are simply overwhelmed with joy. That's the end that we're moving towards. Yeah, Yeah, very much so. And I think the God will do, and God in his perfect love is going to do whatever it takes— to give us a maximum chance to wake up and to receive his love. I personally think, Al, that some of what we're seeing in the world today, you know, the shaking that's going on, you know, another way to look at this, Hebrews chapter 12 says, you know, God will once again shake the nations. 
yeah. to awaken the nations and to teach them to cling to what is unshakable, which is the Son of God alone, right? Standing on the rock, holding, clinging right. to Christ instead of holding on to what is unshakable. And and there's the the judgments of God in history it actually happens. It comes when God's judgments come. And Isaiah said, you know, that when God's judgments are in the land, men learn righteousness, mm. you know, yeah. and sometimes that's the only way human beings come to see and wake up. And so uh, that's part of what the Lord will do. And I, I think sometimes the writing the booklet helped me think about like dimensions of fire, like fire spreads. Yeah. Well, the Holy Spirit imparts God's fire to anyone who wants it. You know, it's spreading all over the world. It's very much out of our control, church, right? too. Yeah. You know, fire purifies. It consumes and removes the impurities that God wants to remove from our lives. Fire destroys. God's enemies will be destroyed. Right. It's right there in the scripture. It's right there in the book of Revelation. What's going to happen ultimately to those who set themselves against God? Fire even terrifies. You know, a few things terrify us quite like a fire can, yeah, yeah. you know, that. But but that's a sometimes to regain sanity. And to rightly order our lives, our minds, our wills, and our decisions back to God, it some kind of serious purifying and shaking happens. I think it's coming on the world now, Al, in different ways. Like we're, we're at a place where our governments are using their the strength of the law and the force to say everyone must affirm. You know, that a man can be a woman, that a man can have a baby, that there's a disconnection from reality on so many levels. There's the panic that's in the culture, Al, of people, you know, who when we drift away from God, our minds become darkened, Scripture says, our senseless minds become darkened, we fall back into slavery, and look what's happening in our cultures. Look at what our quote-unquote Catholic president and other people in leadership are leading. People are saying, well... um, People ought to have a right to kill babies all the way up to their first breath. They're pushing euthanasia. They're redefining marriage. All these things that are um, incredibly offensive to God, and they're calling it wisdom, and they're calling it light. Calling it maturity. Yeah, yeah. The the thinking that, oh, this is is actually the maturing of our culture, rather than the uh, return to a barbarism. Yeah. Out of which we had uh, passed. Yeah, uh, this is a back. These are backward moves, not forward yeah. moves. I remember uh, I was telling you a story uh, years ago. I was reading this book of Revelation, chapter one passage we talked about. Alan, I was talking to a group about a hundred or so. Oh yeah, college students. Yeah, yeah. And um, I I had been praying on that passage. You're an old preacher. Remember the yeah. day you get a you get a passage yeah. and you're going to preach to the congregation, <laughs> and God puts something burning in your heart, and you go, "Wow, this is alive! I think this is really something God yeah. wants me to talk about." You right, know. Right. And so I'm thinking of Jesus' eyes flaming fire, and I felt like the Lord said, "Read that passage to to them." And then I had all these wonderful ideas of what I was going to say about it, like really inspire them, you know. And I'm reading it and just talking about just the image of the Holy One of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like 15, 20 minutes into it, students started weeping. Yeah. Some people, they went on their, went down to their knees. Three or four of them went to the back of the room, Al, laid flat on their face, and some of them started wailing and repenting. And what happened was... I mean, I'm trying to say, hey, no, come back. The best part that I put together isn't even here yet. It was so clear it had not, It wasn't yeah. about me at all. Unfortunately, right. it was one of those moments I had to, have a, had to wake up about that. But it was a, a moment of the holy presence of God coming on a group of young people 
who were battling with sin. Sure. You know, and some of them were probably trapped in some of it pretty seriously. And God's holiness drew near. And it led them to repent at a very deep level. And they felt the holiness of God. And it put a little holy fear in them. And I, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't like thundered. I wasn't yelling, shouting. Nothing like that was even happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, it's like I was just watching something happen as opposed to getting something to happen. Yeah. You know what Good. I mean? Yes. And yes. so it, to me, it was like, I, 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 you know, I asked the Lord, like, how come you don't do that more often, Lord, in just life? But there's something there, and I think some of that's more that's coming for the life of the church, for great purification and holiness, and for the sake of the salvation of the world. This is a question that I think every Christian ends up asking after they've been walking with Christ for a while. It's exactly that. Lord, I saw you heal here, Yeah, but why not over there? Yeah. Or, Lord, I really saw you come alive uh, at that Bible study or that uh, the, the service, but I was better. I thought I was better prepared the week before. You didn't do anything, yes. you know. And so you, and I think really, I think the benefit of that. Well, I mean, the way we can get a benefit from that ambiguity or that lack of. Where we simply don't know. We've got a big question mark. Is it? It keeps us humble. Yeah. It lets us know that. Um, these matters of the sacred are not under our control. Mm-hmm. They're not a product of our own uh, being. They emanate from the being of another, you know. And I think that uh, that's why these passages, uh, you, you said John, you know, he fell at his feet as though dead. Well, you know throughout the history of the Christian faith, You've got saints and martyrs and mystics and preachers and teachers who have, while they have not had the same visionary experience that John did, they have had the experience of the holy, and they've thrown themselves on the floor. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And, And so this is part of the experiential dimension of the Christian faith, and we should rejoice in it. Yeah, for sure. There are certain kinds of Catholics who I think are embarrassed by it. Let's come back. We'll continue talking. Peter Herbeck, my guest. We're talking about Receiving Fire, a wonderful booklet that Peter has just written. Uh, You can get the booklet at renewalministries.net slash rf. That's renewalministries.net slash rf. I'm Al Cresta, and we'll be right back. The best. 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 Of Cresta in the Afternoon Countdown. Number 33. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Peter Herbeck of Renewal Ministries. We're looking over a booklet that he just published called Receiving Fire, and it's available at renewalministries.net slash RF, Receiving Fire, RF. Um, I think the booklet is about receiving fire, so really you're opening opportunity Mm -hmm. to encouraging uh, people to take seriously uh, what God has offered mm-hmm. in uh, personal experience here. I, I keep re- re- emphasizing experience because the New Testament is about what happened in the first century with the coming of Jesus, mm-hmm. the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the formation of new communities, St. Paul's constant exhortations to the different churches. Uh, don't you know? 
how did you receive the Spirit? There's all, these are experiential questions that he's asking them. And oftentimes we forget that what we're dealing with there is not a bunch of legislative texts, but yeah. these, are, these are experiential texts that we're dealing with. Um, so we have for, in the sacraments, for instance, the Eucharist. You know, it, it, it has, because we receive the Eucharist as often as we can, or at least we, we try, we might, it might grow routine. But you mm-hmm. have a quote here from John Paul II that lets us know what's at stake uh, in the Eucharist. Yeah, he says here, he says, Through our communion in his body and blood, Christ also grants us his spirit. St. Ephraim writes, He called the bread his living body and filled it with himself and his spirit. He who eats it with faith eats fire and spirit. Wow. Eats fire and spirit. And it's wow. interesting, you know, we're given at, you know, when we, when we go to Mass on Sunday, we, we, we word and sacrament, right? So this, yeah. the sacrament that we receive, we receive it in faith, it's, it's the fire, the spirit that communicates his life. And then I was thinking of uh, Jeremiah, uh, the prophet Jeremiah saying, is not my word like fire? Right? The word of God is fire. Why? And why is it pot? Why do words, how can words have fire? How can bread have fire? Because Jesus has come to cast fire on the earth. And he says this in John chapter 16. He said, well, he's going to send the spirit. That beautiful section in the, in the uh, Last Supper discourse, when he tells his apostles the trouble that's about to come. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. But believe in me, believe in the Father, said, I, I will send you my spirit. He will manifest to you who I am. Yeah. He's going to reveal who yeah. I am to yes. you, and he's going to remind you everything that I've taught you, yeah. right? And so uh, the Catechism has some beautiful paragraphs that are worth meditating on now related to what we're talking about. 690, for example, it says, Jesus is Christ that is anointed because the Spirit is his anointing. And everything that occurs from the incarnation on derives from the fullness of the spirit that's in Jesus. When Christ is finally glorified, he can in turn send the spirit from his place with the Father to those who believe in him. He communicates to them his glory. That is the Holy Spirit who glorifies him. So in baptism, in confirmation, in these places, he's communicating his glory, the glory that now clothes him. So we need to see this. The human race was made for God's glory, and through original sin, we fell from God's glory. Jesus becomes one of us to do what? To now lead us back to glory. Humanity is now glorified in Jesus. The catechism really building on Scripture says it very clearly. The Holy Spirit communicates to us the glory of God and given to us in paragraph 667. Jesus Christ, having entered the sanctuary of heaven once and for all, intercedes constantly for us as the mediator who assures us of the permanent outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Interesting, the permanent outpouring. The permanent outpouring of of yeah. the life of God yeah. in us. Yeah. That's the that's it's, it's the Holy Spirit that makes the Eucharist yeah. the body, blood, soul and divinity of Jesus. Yeah. It's the yeah. Holy Spirit that animates that living word of God that penetrates our heart. So if we don't approach your point earlier, if we don't approach this in faith that is awakened, our mind is alert, we're expecting, we're trusting, we're leaning into God, yeah. I'm encountering the Lord here, and then say, Lord, you know, be it done unto me according to your word. Lord, I receive your word. I receive
receive your 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 body and blood and in so faith is has is an important element of receiving right of trusting yeah. of saying yes to we got to be careful of routine we got to be careful of presumption yeah. we got to be yeah. careful for the you know cuz you know you go to a lot of mass you go to mass every day or many yeah. days I mean, it's, it's like it's routine have, yes all right? of us have done this i mean yeah for sure <laughs> or like you could you you, the reading is done at mass, and then all of a sudden you go like, "What was that?" What was that? <laughs> I don't think I heard one thing that was it said. Happens, you know, happens so, all the time. But but when you think about when you have your Bible in your hand, friends at home, you know, and this is the 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 content of the conversation the Lord wants to have with us as we're abiding in Him. Imagine, just think about like it's fire. It's this burning. This thing's alive. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not just good. a document I have to study. As I read this word. This is God. This is Jesus, the risen one in glory, speaking to me through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he's speaking fire into my life, purifying, transforming, love, right? All of that that's present there. Let me let me ask you just to, again, give us your, your best read of this situation. Um, there's no doubt that the Catholic Church, uh, really globally, has undergone um, great purification and great humiliation uh, over the last 20, 25 years. And um, it doesn't seem too far-fetched to think that um, judgment begins with God's own household. Again, this is – again, you just – again, people can speculate on this. Do you think that we are seeing with this uh, judgment that's fallen upon the church, do you see that as a precursor to a wider judgment that's going to fall upon the, the land? Yeah, I, I really do. I yeah. believe with all my heart. I think that's what's happening. And the, the, the revelation of you know the sins of the church and yeah. what the Lord has allowed is the sins of the church to be revealed. And it's caused a lot of pain. It's caused... Hopefully, the key to it all, it's meant to cause us to repent. Yeah, yeah. To come back. I mean, there's a lot of compromise. What gets revealed, there's a lot of compromise. There's a lot of lukewarmness. There's a lot of indifference. There's a lot of worldliness in the church. And what this is about, fundamentally, is that the church is the salt and light of the world. But the salt can go flat. Remember what Jesus said? If it goes flat... You're no good to me," he said. "If you if you're not burning with my love for one another yeah. and for the lost, if you're kind of indifferent about all that, this is I thirst for souls, and you don't even think about it. You know what I mean? Because you're lukewarm, you're worldly, you you're more interested in yourself. So the Lord has to come and purify the church, and it doesn't have to be big. You know what I mean? The Lord's pruning the church, and He's cutting off dead wood. He wants to get to the place of who. Everybody's weak and broken. Everybody battles with sin. But who wants the life of the king? Who wants the burning love of God? Who wants to, uh, you know, see what he sees and feel what he feels and move where he wants us to go? And that's what the Lord is doing to, to purify the church so she can be salt and light because the Lord's heart breaks for the salvation of the world. He came to seek and save the lost. We belong to him. He's given us his Holy Spirit. And the day of Pentecost, what did he say before the Holy Spirit came? He told the apostles before the ascension, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you shall be my witnesses. He didn't say you shall receive power, then you'll be comfortable, cozy, kind of, you know, live, follow your own bliss, do what you want to do. No, you become 
my disciple, and I'm going to give you the fire that's in me. And that fire is love for my father. That fire is love for his will. That fire is love for neighbor. That fire is rightly ordered love for the self. You know, how many people walk around the street every day we're battling with self-hatred, oh, lack yeah. of healthy love. Yeah. You know, he wants to order our loves and free us so we're not preoccupied with ourselves and our fears and our discouragements and our depression and everything else and our idols to purify us so that we can then, he wants to teach us how to learn to love our neighbors and actually to love people who hate us. And this is the heart of, this is the the depth of the incredibly uh, unique teaching of Jesus, yeah. love those who hate you. Lord, I have a hard time loving people who love me. <laughs> much less, yeah. But he can only, it's his heart burning in us that can do that. Here's, I want to just read something from uh, Father Joseph Ratzinger from 1969. Okay. Yeah. This is a German radio broadcast, but I think it fits in here. He said, the future of the church can and will issue from those whose roots are deep, and who live from the pure fullness of their faith. It will not issue from those who accommodate themselves merely to the passing moment, or from those who merely criticize others and assume that they themselves are infallible. Uh, Nor will it issue from those who take the easier road, who sidestep the passion of faith, declaring false and obsolete, tyrannous and legalistic, all that makes demands upon men, that hurts them and compels them to sacrifice themselves. To put this more positively... The future of the church, once again as always, will be reshaped by saints, by men, that is, whose minds probe deeper than the slogans of the day, who see more than others see because their lives embrace a wider reality. Unselfishness, which makes men free, is attained only through the patience of small daily acts of self-denial. By this daily passion, which alone reveals to a man in how many ways he is enslaved by his own ego. By this daily passion and by it alone, a man's eyes are slowly opened. And he's, okay, he goes on, this, but my, my point there is that the future of the church, as we pass through this time of judgment, is going to rest It's on those whose re- roots are deep and who live from the pure fullness of their faith. It's not coming from accommodation to the world. No, exactly. And the the only way we can resist accommodation from the world is the encounter with God. Mm-hmm. We have to know there's something more than what surrounds us. Yeah. You know. We need something from outside the culture so to speak, you know. Yeah. Uh and that's what uh so you write receiving fire because that's what has to happen. Yeah, and I think when when everybody notices the world is shaking. Yeah. I mean, the, the war in Ukraine, and, and, and that looks like it's escalating and could yeah. potentially get to something even much worse. New spy balloons. St- I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just that everybody knows something, something's going on, and things are shaking, and the church seems weak, and all kinds of things that are, you find upsetting say, well, what should we do? Declare, friends, first of all, you know, lift up your eyes to the heavens where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord. Turn to him now, not like just huddle down in fear, but look at him and then begin to say, Lord, uh, 
I want to receive what you have for me, Lord. I want to go all the, I want to go all in in this moment. I know something epic is happening in the world, and it fills me with fear, or angst, or whatever. Yeah. But I want to pay attention to you and receive what you have for me right now. I don't want to miss anything of the assignment that you're giving me in this hour to yes, cooperate yes. with the work. I declare, I know this is in your hands. Nothing escapes it. And so I want to be rightly aligned with you now, Lord. And be like St. Francis. Oh, I love that image. He used to kneel before the cross regularly and say, Lord, he'd look up and say, Lord, please tell me, who are you and who am I? <laughs> You know what I mean? That's, that's, you tell me who I am. I'm done. I'm done trying to make up dialogue here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm so tired of making up who I think I'm supposed to be, and everybody's making up who they are, and everybody's yeah. making up their own reality. Lord, I know you want our attention now. Repentance means turn to Him. Lord, I put before you my time, my talent, my treasure, my business, my family, my heart. My whole being, I know soon, you tell me in the scripture, I'll be dead soon. Life is short. It's a breath. It's a passing shadow. I don't want to die having missed the significance of this moment when the nations are troubled and the church is struggling and you're calling every one of your disciples now to unite our mind and heart to you. And you've given us the fire of the spirit to purify our minds, to purify our hearts, to give us the power we need, the grace we need to move in your will now. Lord, use us for your glory. That's a prayer he will answer. So live in expectation. Live with your eyes open and ask yourself, okay, how's he fulfilling that prayer? That's right. Great, Peter, thanks. Uh, The book, Receiving Fire, it's available at renewalministries.net slash RF. Again, Peter, thanks. Good joy. God bless you. 